You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Diving stop, Seager! Toss on up the first in time to get seven. Three run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye baseball. Straight away center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king when the Mariners needed him the most. Two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now here's your host Gary Hill. And welcome back. Time once again for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Thanks for coming back as the Mariners taking on the Yankees in game one of the series last night. Felix was brilliant, but not enough as the Mariners fall in game one of the series. We're going to have all the details coming up in a few minutes. And as I said in the podcast yesterday, Mark Simon is going to join us from ESPN. He's always fantastic. So, we're going to talk some Yankees as we get ready for the next three games in the series. Uh, we get his thoughts and impressions on the race in the American League wild card. And we're going to talk some defense. We're going to talk great pitches. So a ton we're going to talk about coming up as we move through this podcast. But let's get to the ball game last night. Felix Hernandez on the mound against Severino, who has been the best pitcher for the Yankees this year. We talked about in the podcast yesterday his stuff. I mean, it's overwhelming. The hardest fastball for any starter on average, 97, routinely into triple digits, and he was last night. He was outstanding, although the Mariners, and this was a theme, they had plenty of chances along the ways, just could not cash in. Meanwhile, Felix Hernandez was excellent in the ballgame. To pitch a check swing, he goes around for strike three. Sanchez is 0 for 2 as the King racks up his fifth strikeout over three innings. The King sets now fires home. Strike three called. Judge is caught looking. A season high tying eight strikeouts for the King. He strikes out the side here in the sixth. So he was outstanding. Also, the defense behind him. In the outfield, as always, outstanding. Here's the one-two pitch on the way. Swung on, fly ball into the gap in left center field. Long run, Gerard Dyson still on the run, reaches out, and he makes the catch. Onto the warning track in left center field. Gerard Dyson outraces the baseball, and Didi Gregorius is out number one here in the top of the fifth. So great start for Felix. Uh, you couldn't ask for much more than this. Seven innings of three-hit ball, one run, Two walks, nine strikeouts, just one mistake was the difference. Swing club, right field, Hanniger having to move back. He is looking, and this ball is gone into the seats in right field. Gardner's 16th. Hanniger did not pursue for long. It has been the first run of the game, and the Yankees take a 1-0 lead. And as it turned out, that would be all that was needed for the Yankees. They get one against Felix in the sixth. Then they tack on one in the eighth and then two more in the ninth to grab the win. 
Judge comes through with a pretty crucial base hit in the eighth. Tony Reddy kicks and he delivers. Swing and a broken band looper in a shallow right field. Going to drop in a base hit. Headley will score. Gardner to third. Up with the ball is the right fielder. Hanniger gets a throw in. Cut off by the first baseman. Valencia throw back to second. The turn there by Sanchez gets back to the bag. And the Yankees now have a 2-0 lead. 2-0 lead. The Mariners in the ball game. Two for 14 with runners in scoring position, left the bases loaded at one point. They pound out 10 hits along the way, which is pretty remarkable against Severino, Batonsis, and Chapman. They combined to get 10 hits but couldn't push the runs across. And this is going to be the key against the Yankees, especially the way they're built right now. You've got to score on New York early. You do not want to play from behind against the Yankees. And the Mariners saw why firsthand. Batonsis in the eighth, Chapman in the ninth, but now with Robertson as well. Their bullpen is stacked. So when you have chances against New York early in the ballgame, you have got to cash in. The Mariners didn't, and the Yankees end up winning the ballgame. I do want to – it comes at a loss, but it should be pointed out what Robinson Cano did in the ninth inning. He did end up getting three hits in the ball game, three for five. But he drove in the Mariners' lone run in the ninth, and he did it off Chapman, double off Chapman, which is significant. That is the first extra base hit by a lefty off of Chapman in this season. And he is not – given up Chapman has not given up an extra base hit to a lefty since remember this game Leonis Martin against the Cubs on July 30th of last year remember the double that he had against Chapman that was the last extra base hit for a lefty off of Chapman the Mariners ended up winning that game late against Chicago I mean that is nearly a year ago now what gets just this is wild I've like quadruple checked this because it just doesn't make any sense but the most extra base hits Chapman has allowed to a lefty or to lefties in a season is two that's it he's allowed one career home run to a lefty his very first home run allowed was to a lefty in 2011 and he hasn't allowed one since. I mean, the numbers are just sick. So I know it came in a loss, and it was just one run late, but the fact that Cano got an extra base hit and drove in a run against Chapman is actually something to celebrate even in a loss. That was awfully impressive. In his career, or in Chapman's career, against lefties, I mean, there's just not a lot of hits to go around in general, let alone extra base hits. But lefties are batting 124 against him lifetime. In 348 bats, 193 strikeouts, 43 hits. He's given up eight doubles and one homer coming into last night in his career. And Cano adds to that with a double off of Chapman. But it comes in a loss. A final 4-1, to one, the Yankees beat the Mariners. Let's hear from the skipper what Scott Service has to say about this one. Yeah, it looked like Felix gave you everything you could want there. Yeah, it was an outstanding uh, pitching performance on both sides. Uh, you know, Felix was uh, you know, really sharp tonight. Uh, you know, really gave us everything he had and, and kept it right in check there. Obviously, the, the one uh, mistake 
you know, the two-one fastball uh, to, to Gardner for the home run. But you know, uh, that team's obviously a very good offensive club. Um, you know, he kept him in check the whole night. Got strikeouts. He got ground balls. It was very impressive. And you know, giving us seven innings, couldn't ask for anything more out of him tonight. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the guy on the other side was you know a little bit better. Uh, Severino was. About as good as we've seen uh, all year. I know we've had some, you know, well-pitched games against us, but just the, you know, the stuff that that he fired out there. You know, you usually don't see guys carry the velocity uh, that late in the ball game. Um, but you know, we had some chances. You know, we had uh, first and third, nobody out in the fourth. Couldn't push anything across there, and you know, you know, we just get a big hit with runners in scoring position today. And you know, tight game, good ball game. You know, we made a couple errors late uh, that, that gave up. You know, helped in their scoring. You know, in the eighth or ninth. But I thought Felix threw the ball ending tonight. Well, I think, you know, the understanding, you know, uh, working through that lineup, obviously they got a lot of power in there, um, staying at the bottom of the strike zone. I thought he had a very good changeup tonight. You know, the slider was good for a few innings, and he got the curveball working. And he really had all of his pitches working tonight. He's been very focused. Uh, his preparation coming in this game, you know, he knew it was going to be a good game. We had a good road trip, uh, you know, good crowd tonight, and it's going to be a good series. Offensively, what did you see tonight? Oh, they had really good pitching. You know, I thought we had some good at bats. We really did. You know, I think we scratched out ten hits. I didn't hit any over the fence. Unfortunately, we could have used one of those tonight. But uh, at bats were good. Uh, the guys were deep in counts. Uh, but you know, their guy was. You know, he had overpowering stuff tonight. And to carry that, like I said, that stuff deep into the game, you know, it's tough to get him. We had a chance, just couldn't cash in. The first thing their gamble gets caught on the, the comebacker and Severino picked. Is that a case of him getting just? Yeah, you know, Severino's an athletic player. He made a really good play to jump up and get it. Uh, understanding where the defense is behind him, you know, the shortstop's probably going to make that play anyway. Um, you know, he's, he's trying to, you know, to, to move along on that. So, you know, we've been better on the bases here uh, coming out in the second half. That was one uh, that got away from us tonight. Yeah, you know, and trying to stay away from making those outs on the bases. We got a really good offensive club, and if we're going to make outs. We're going to have it come from the batter's box. Outfield again, some, some pretty nice plays out there. Real awesome, yeah. And Dyson can really track it down. I mean, the, you know, you're watching him, and you say there's no chance he's going to get there, and all of a sudden, you know, he does. So uh, our guys have been really good, you know, all year. That's why we lead the league in, in defensive runs saved from our outfield, and they showed it again tonight. Why? This Felix, you see, I mean, this, this is the guy you need in the second half, right? I mean. Oh, no doubt. You know, we saw that uh, the outing there before the end of the first half against Oakland. Uh, I thought tonight was more like that. It wasn't quite uh, that sharp, you know, over in Chicago, but uh, he was rolling tonight. It was great to see. Uh, we're going to need that consistency from him. It's going to be really important for us here, you know, as we get deeper in the second half. What do you want to I think the biggest thing is focus, kind of where he's at in between his outings. is really important. Um, his, uh, his bullpen work, I know, and constantly, not so much tweaking things, but just understanding where he's at, what he needs to do to be ready to pitch on game day, and then get deep in games. And, uh, you know, it was really good tonight. So the Mariners fall in game one of this series. Three more to go, though, in this series. So this big series continues tonight. Andrew Moore will get the ball for the Mariners. One and one with a 5-2-5 ERA. CC Sabathia will go for the Yankees eight and three with a three five four ERA. It was just a couple of years ago, 2014. He had a five two eight, suffered through some injuries. The year after a four seven three, but bounced back. He was below four last year. This year a three five four. Not throwing a ton of innings, 84 innings and in 15 starts, but especially with the way their bullpen is right now. I mean, they're just asking essentially for five innings 
five solid innings from their starter every single ball game. So CC Sabathia is getting the call tonight. Sabathia in his last start was good against the Red Sox at Fenway, went six, allowed just two hits and no runs, did walk five, fan three. Two starts before that, though, shaky. Against the Blue Jays, two and two-thirds. He was bounced after giving up four. Start before that, four innings. Didn't allow a run against the Angels, but just four innings. Time before that against the Red Sox, went eight without giving up a run. But overall, he's been on a nice stretch since giving up five runs against Cincinnati on May the 16th. Or on May the 9th. Since May the 16th, his last start. Opponents only batting 204 against him in his last eight starts, a 1-6-0 ERA. So overall, he's really pitched well. Now, that stretch spans just three starts in June and two starts in July so far. So some holes in there along the way. But still, that's a pretty good run for CC Sabathia. He's been much better away from Yankee Stadium, a 5-2-9 at home. A 2-3-4 on the road. Home runs are split the same, so it's not a matter of the long ball. Lefties this year batting just 204 against him with no homers and just one extra base hit, a double. So he's really hammered lefties so far this year. Righties have socked him for nine homers and batting 243 against him. So that's the matchup tonight. More against Sabathia. Miranda will get the call on Saturday, 6-10 first pitch. Tanaka will go on Saturday. And then Gallardo will take the ball on Sunday now, 1-10 first pitch against Sessa for the Yankees, 0-3 with a 4-6-1 ERA. So really important series, really important homestand continues. The Mariners now a game below 500, but still three left against the Yankees. They'd love to take two of the next three and at least uh, split this series. So we'll see what happens starting tonight against New York. Now for a closer look at the Yankees, who have had a very interesting season so far, we're going to welcome in Mark Simon from ESPN. Well, we get to visit with one of our favorites. It's Mark Simon from ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter, and I recommend you do if you don't already. M. Simon, ESPN. You can find his work at ESPN.com, ESPN Stats and Information. They do a great job. Mark, it is great to talk once again in what has been a very exciting baseball season so far. Exciting and somewhat bizarre, and I know we're going to talk about the uh, AL and the weirdness and the wildness and a lot of good stuff and uh, some very entertaining baseball, whether you like home runs or strikeouts uh, or hopefully something in between. Well, we're very excited in Seattle. This is a big four-game series. The Mariners just a game and a half back of the Yankees for the second wild card, and I know you get to view the Yankees very closely. You wrote a book on the Yankees. it has been a very strange season for New York. They were so good up until about June 11th, the best offense in baseball. Since then, they've had the worst record in the American League. What has gone on with the Yankees? Well, I think what's happened is they kind of turned into the Aaron Judge or nothing show, uh, and that's hurt them a little bit. They need to. Uh, they've, I think they've looked to add some depth. You can't underestimate, too. They had two injuries that were kind of – 
I don't want to say like under the radar because nothing's under the radar in New York, but losing Sterling Castro and losing Matt Holliday were pretty significant injuries for them, uh, just in terms of they weren't able to replace them with anything that was particularly good. Castro's been an all-star this year. Uh, he's kind of lived up to his billing when he, when he first hit the major leagues, 27 now in his prime, hitting over 300. But he gets hurt and their second-base production drops tremendously. Matt Holliday gets hurt, uh, the designated hitter production drops tremendously. Dylan Betances has had a very strange season out of the bullpen. Tyler Clippard, who they just traded to the White Sox, has blown his share of games that they probably should have won. Within this run, there are probably three or four games that they should have gotten, that they might regret uh, come September. And lastly, the, uh, the other thing is that Masahiro Tanaka, who was my preseason Cy Young pick, has a 5.33 ERA. <laughs> That's not winning any Cy Youngs. Yeah, no doubt. And the Mariners, or the uh, Yankees, just make the big deal with the White Sox. How much do you think this trade will help adding Robertson in particular? In, in particular with Robertson, what it gives them is a Super Bowlpin. Uh, one of those kind of like the, what the Indians had last year, where you have the Tansis now pitch the seventh. Uh, Chapman pitches the ninth, Robertson pitches the eighth, essentially settles into the role that he had when he was setting up Mariano Rivera. Adam Warren has also been very good, so it slides him down slightly if a starter struggles, uh, and it gives them four really good arms uh, out of the bullpen. Plus, we don't even mention Tom Canley, uh, who was fantastic for the White Sox, so it's really five dynamite arms that they can throw in any situation when they have a lead. They never have to worry about pitching a guy more than two days in a row because if Patantis is pitched two days in a row, they can pitch Canley. If uh, Canley's pitched two days in a row, they can pitch Warren, and there's really no drop-off. And if Chapman's pitched two days in a row, throw Robertson into close. So they've built a lot of depth to try to win at the end of the game, and they'll let the first six innings kind of run their course and hope that they can out-hit teams in, in the first six innings and then out-pitch them at the end. And speaking out hitting, you mentioned Judge a moment ago, and his season has been nothing short of amazing. I mean, you look at his brief time in the majors last year, he literally struck out half his at-bats, struggled to get on base. What was the difference between just his short time in the big leagues last year and what has been an MVP-type season this year? He stopped chasing pitches. Uh, he was a pretty crazy chaser last year where he would swing at anything that was out of the strike zone off the outside corner of the plate. Uh, he made some adjustments that allow him, I guess, a little bit more time to read the pitch. And as a result, he's not chasing that pitch anywhere near as much as he did previously. And he's looking for pitches essentially in his wheelhouse, which is pretty big. He has a, a he's six foot <laughs> ten or whatever he is, right. and he's got this giant red blob. If you look at like his hot zones, uh -huh. he has the biggest blob in baseball. So <laughs> an area where he can drive the ball, and when he does. He hits it out, and if he mishits the ball, okay, he hits it to right field. Yankee Stadium has a short porch in right field. It's easy for him to poke it off the wall or poke it just over the fence. We're visiting with Mark Simon from ESPN Stats and Information. And, Mark, it is, I mean, you look at Houston, they've separated themselves. Cleveland separating themselves in the central a little bit. Boston a few games lead on New York in the east. But, you know, <laughs> seemingly every other team in the American League is in the wild, char a wild card chase right now. How do you look at this wild card race? Can I tell you that I think that it's really annoying because there's no clear-cut, there's yes. no clear-cut favorite. Right. Um, you you could interchange, you could make a case that all of these teams are interchangeable. I don't think the Rays are that good, and I like the Rays. Mm -hmm. uh, they're 51 and 45. The Mariners are 48 and 48, and to me, the difference between the two is like zero. Uh, they both have have. 
they both are teams that I think are a little bit better than the sum of their parts. And I thought that Seattle would be better than it was. I didn't think they would be 48 and 48 through 96 games, but all the injuries and all the players that they've had to use and the, the pitching staff, uh, I'm looking at their baseball reference page, uh, 30 <laughs> different guys that right. pitch plus Carlos Ruiz. Right. That's crazy. And every, you know what's funny is every team's going through that in one way or another whether it's the Orioles or the Yankees or the Royals or the Angels, that the Angels are still in the race yeah. is mind-boggling to me because Trout was out for so long. So I don't think you could tell who it's going to be right now, and I don't know that you could tell who it's going to be on August 31st either, uh, which I think is what makes the game so entertaining. Yeah, it feels like out here that the Mariners have survived what was a very difficult stretch. I mean, they had most of the rotation down for a lot of the season. And one of the constants, though, for the Mariners has been the defense. And here we've talked about how good the outfield defense has been all season. But there's uh, the infield defense in spots has been really good as well. And maybe a surprise to a lot of people, Danny Valencia has been outstanding at first base this year. Yeah, if someone could explain this to me, uh, kudos to them. Uh, the Society for Baseball Research does a thing that contributes to the Gold Glove vote at the end of the year, and it essentially serves as 25% of the Gold Glove vote. These different statistical systems, they mesh them together, and they give you a rating for every player. And among American League first basemen, Danny Valencia ranks first, which stunned me, and I still haven't completely figured it out. My guess is that it has to do with his positioning and his sure-handedness. He's not necessarily someone who's going to make a lot of great plays. Uh, his defensive run save total is okay. The other thing to remember is this isn't like the 1980s with Keith Hernandez and Don Mattingly. There's no guy in the AL, and some people might say Hosmer, where you would say, wow, this guy's like a Hall of Fame level defensive first baseman. So I think that the bar is kind of reasonable, allows Valencia to maybe stand out more rather than having a high bar where he's not necessarily going to be someone that's going to be considered elite. You mentioned the outfield defense. Dyson's been fantastic. Heredia has been very good. Uh, Hanniger has been good. Uh, that's that wasn't a surprise, but yeah, you mentioned the the infield and the idea of uh, Valencia being good at first. That's definitely a surprise. Yeah, and Kyle Seager's right there as well at third base, and he has been the last few years. He's been rock solid there. Yeah, that's I think that's that's fair, and that's uh, that's a justified position. The Mariners as a team, when we're doing this interview, rank looks like seventh in the American League in the defensive run save stat. So average, but slightly above, uh, essentially, when you put them in the scope of the entire major leagues. They've also been very good and not surprising, given many ACTA with uh, defensive shifts. They rank among the better teams in terms of getting uh, the most out of their defensive shifts. Generally, when you examine defense, what are the kind of things you're looking for? What numbers do you look at? All right, so I'm looking at a, at a couple of different things. You're looking most importantly at how often you turn a batted ball into an out. For example, you could feel if you're your, you're the shortstop or you're Robinson Cano and you feel the ball deep in the hole, but don't throw it to first. That's you're not being scored with an error. You may you've essentially picked up the ball cleanly, mm -hmm. but you're not getting the out. So you're looking for guys that are going to be able to get to get outs at a consistent rate, and. If you don't get it out, it's going to penalize you. It sounds fairly simple, but errors don't tell you the whole story because errors tell you only the situations where a guy makes a misplay on a ball, essentially. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking at how often do you 
turn a batted ball into an out. And if, uh, if you're a Mariners outfielder who has the capability like a Dyson to be able to go deep into the gap or come in uh, for a ball and make a great diving catch, there's value there too because what these systems can do is they tell you for any spot on the field how often a ball is turned into an out. So if you hit one 395 feet and Dyson chases it down, he's making a catch that maybe only one or two other guys can make, and he's being rewarded for that via the statistical system. So I'm looking at plays made in terms of the percentage of plays made, getting uh, batted balls and turning them into outs, and where you're making those plays. Those are the two most important things. And I want to make another point on the Mariner D, if I can. The Mariner D struggles are based in their pitcher defense and their catcher defense. If you take those out, they are one of the top uh, defensive teams in baseball. Yeah. which I think is kind of interesting and, and tells you that first to third, left to right, with what ACTA and the other coaches are able to do positioning-wise, they're doing pretty well. Yeah, it's been impressive. It's really, with all the injuries they've had, even offensively too, it's been the, the constant for this team, and it's really kept them afloat, which has been huge, especially with, you look at the rotation, a lot of the guys that were missing, a lot of the guys they put in were pitched to contact guys, which made the defense even more important. Right, and I'm sure that that was part of Jerry DePoto's strategic mission in the offseason when he made his usual 15 trades, and it will probably be part of his mission in the the next offseason when he makes 20 uh, major trades. Yeah, so I'm interested in a piece you you just wrote, best pitches in baseball. What did you find? I, I I am always fascinated by this topic. So I know that this is one that Rick likes, uh-huh. uh, Rick Riz, because yeah, yeah. we talked about it last uh, last year or two years ago when I came on with them. Um, what I went looking for in this case was I went looking for strikeout pitches and who has the best pitch in terms of efficiency and effectiveness at turning strike two into strike three, meaning you don't throw the pitch a lot, but you're getting a lot of strike threes. And the two most elite in baseball were the Corey Kluber curveball, which I don't think is particularly surprising no. if, you watched, uh, if you've watched the Indians at all, especially the last two months or so since he came back, and the Max Scherzer slider. Max has two different variations of the slider, one that drops down, one that cuts away. Uh, and it's been a devastating pitch this year because hitters can't tell which of them it is, I guess, as it comes out of his hand. So nobody's hitting it. In terms of the Mariners, the best pitch in, uh, on the team uh, and the best strikeout pitch is Paxton's fastball, uh, without question. That's not a surprise. We saw it on display against Houston his last time out. He's but as good as Houston's lineup has been. He has gone 20 innings against them and given up one run, which I find pretty remarkable. That'll be a stat to remember come the LDS when it's Mariners Astros. Right? <laughs> there you go. That's what Mariner <laughs> fans are certainly hoping for. Well, Mark, yep. this has been fun. It's always great to chat, and let's do this again here down the stretch. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazon 
into the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.